Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. We're going to get started and make it really dark in here. Hard for you to get back to your chairs. You can bring up the house lights a little bit more so people can get back to their seats. <laughs> I'm going to dive right into the passage this morning. Would you just um, stand for the reading of Scripture? We're making, we're making you do that this morning. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for meeting with with us here this morning. Thank you for giving us your son and sending us your spirit who's here with us this morning to lead us and guide us and shape us into the life you are calling us to live as your family, as your your people. May we hear the call to come near to you in times of need, And maybe in times where we feel like we need nothing, we come to you because your well overflows with wisdom. Your well overflows with forgiveness. And so let our hearts and our minds be open to receiving what you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you got me this morning. Yes, it's encouraging. Ryan's down in Puerto Rico. Did I say that right? Yes. All right, close enough, close enough. He's having a good time. We're so blessed to have a pastor who's, who really deeply cares for the spiritual health of our community. And over the last um, bunch of weeks, we started this new series called The Generous Common Life. 
And we've been setting the table in Galatians 6 uh, in, with two phrases that Paul articulates in his letter. And those two, two phrases are carrying our own load and carrying each other's burdens. That's the table that we're setting for the first eight weeks of the series. So the first four weeks, we sort of introed the series and dove deep into sort of pastoral work around self-examination. And we've dove deep into that carrying our own load part. What does it look like to take responsibility for the things that we carry? Remember, Ryan had the image of that knapsack that we carry on our backs and the things that are in our knapsacks. How do we take responsibility for those things, to carry our own load? And so we've been diving into the work of knowing ourselves, our emotions, the gift of limitations, our relationship with time. Time is not an enemy. Ryan sort of harps on that, right? Because the Greek word for time is kairos. And it's a moment in time where we get to learn. It's an opportunity for us to learn as followers of Jesus and to respond in ways where enemy, uh, time is not our enemy to defeat. We, it's actually an opportunity to learn something. And then last week, we did, we did something we all love, and that's we learned how to hold our feelings in God's presence, lending us the grace to feel, offering ourselves to the Spirit who advocates for us in the process. As Christ feels deeply, we are also designed to feel deeply in Him. And so Ryan invited us to, into this spiritual practice during the week called the Daily Examine. Who did it last week? I did it last week. And <laughs> you take eight minutes of your day to take sort of inventory of your day and what you experiences, you experienced in your interactions, even in the workplace, anywhere. Um, and you ask yourself these four questions. What makes me angry? What am I sad about, anxious, or glad about? And you honestly have this, you invite the spirit into that daily examine practice. And one of the things that, um, one of the things that really stuck out to me um, was what am I sad about these days? What am I sad for? And one of the things that I'm sad for is that it's pretty clear, it's pretty evident that a lot of souls are hurting in our world, in our community. Um, and it's, it's something that actually grips me, is to know that there are a lot of souls that are hurting. And something that you'll learn, uh, that you'll learn about me is I tend to have bad posture. I don't know if you can tell or if anybody's in that line of work, but right now, I don't think my posture's that great. It doesn't feel great, anyways. So you'll learn that about me, that I have bad posture, sort of a combination of having hyper-flat feet and, and knee injuries. It's just over time, my body's had this uncanny ability to sort of hunch over, and it forces me to kind of look down and in. And, my, and I, I can't, I'll, I'll never forget the first time, or a couple of months after my first knee surgery, I walked into my physiotherapist, and my physiotherapist said, it's gonna take at least five years for you to heal, but with a posture like that, it might take longer. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, that's pretty bad. <laughs> you just got a sprained knee, man, it's just, okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> Anyways, I think many, many of us are wrestling with this bad posture, and maybe within reason, and there's grace for bad posture, surely, but in a spiritual sense, bad posture can cause us to hunch over and look down and in and before long, that bad posture trains our souls into despair and hopelessness and bitterness, and we become consumed by our own load and the world around us, away from what's freely given in Christ, within our grasp. So my hope this morning is that we'd learn how to stand up straight. Tell me, just tell me. If I'm, if I'm hunching, just tell me. Stand up, you know. Stand up straight, look up and out. And really fix our eyes on Jesus. Because he's setting the table for this pivot as we move towards carrying each other's burdens. Because we've still kind of been in this learning what it means to carry our own loads, right? And now we're kind of in this in-between, but next week and the week after that and the week after that, we're gonna be going into carrying each other's burdens. So which brings us back to Paul's letter in Galatians. He starts off the passage we're in like this, reading from Eugene Peterson's message. It'll be up on the screen. Verse one. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. So Paul's starting point here for our, key, our main series passage is forgiveness. And here is sort of where I want to turn our table into a bridge. Forgiveness is the bridge that empowers us to carry our own load and carry each other's burdens. Forgiveness is the bridge that empowers us to carry our own load and carry each other's burdens. How many of you have been whitewater rafting before? Oh, that's a, that's a lot. Where you guys have been? There's whitewater rafting around here? Nice. Denial. Okay, well, I'm not going to tell this story then. (laughs) There's a 100-mile winding river up in northern Quebec. I'm actually from Montreal, Quebec. Um, So it's interesting how I'm up here talking about forgiveness specifically. Uh, But uh, (laughs) it's called the Red River. I'll let you figure it out. It's called the river, and they're actually, it's, it's complemented by seven sister waterfalls. And this red river just kind of winds for 100 miles, and they have different sections, and you can go out, and obviously, you know, we've capitalized on it, and we've created experiences out of it. And, you know, a bunch of um, friends of mine, this is like a long time ago. This is actually something that I was reminded of in prepping for the sermon. That's why I'm sharing the story. But, uh, so... This place is kind of has that reputation of being very um, dangerous in certain times of the season. And so a bunch of my friends thought it'd be a good idea to go and kind of experience this for ourselves, but it was kind of in a high season in the sense of like it was actually kind of dangerous, but not really dangerous, but it was still, still dangerous. And, and so none of us has ever done this before, and we went. I went camping one night and people kind of party like it's the last night on earth kind of thing. And you kind of realize and you're like, wait, why is everybody kind of partying like this? 
Anyways, so there's different sections to the river, and as you're kind of going down, you're, you're realizing what you got yourself into, right? I'm just like, man, this is insane. People going overboard, you gotta rescue them, bring them back inside, and it's like legitimate rapids, right? You're going down this, and what we didn't know was that our instructor, our instructor, he actually thrived off flipping the boats. Like it was something that he loved doing. And so when you get to the, the different sister waterfalls, he would actually like turn the boat backwards into it and then we would all freak out and then we'd fly into like the water, into the waterfalls and then like, through, like it was, it's outrageous. It's outrageous, like we legitimately could have died. But the last, there was this last kind of section, waterfall, and um, basically it was a down, flat, down, and then you had this last down, and it's a good like 10 foot kind of waterfall, you know? And you would land into, you would land into this thing that they called the washing, mas washing machine, and they would spin you. It would just spin you, and then like, just, launch you out into the current, back into the current, and you would just kind of float down the current and eventually it becomes rapids again. And what they told you was that you're, there was a rope in the water that they put in the water. Look for that rope, grab that rope, and just climb back to shore. Like that's basically the solution they had for you. If you ever fall out of the, out of the raft and, you're, and it shoots you back, just like remain calm and Look for that rope, grab that rope, and just pull yourself to the shore. <laughs> Yo, I need to find that rope so many times that we can. Anyways, forgiveness is kind of like that rope. It's a rope that we need to cling to, to pull ourselves to shore, do the work, even as the current still hits us in the face and we're flailing, or even when pulling ourselves back to shore, the rope itself gives us burns and scrapes. And that rope remained, but that rope still remains our lifeline. Forgiveness is our lifeline. Specifically as followers of Jesus in this world, forgiveness is central to the way of Jesus. And so as Taylor beautifully read during worship, this sinful woman with an alabaster jar, with a negative reputation in society. Imagine her story, just picture her story. She enters the house of a Pharisee. And in the presence of three men, she kneels at the feet of Jesus and proceeds to weep tears of joy, allowing a river of her own tears to fall on Jesus as she anoints him with oil worth more than you think, washing his feet to bless him. Here's a very personal, very powerful, very intimate moment where this woman demonstrates an extraordinary degree of faith, sacrifice, and gratitude for Jesus. You wanna know why? She's received his forgiveness. That's it. She ran towards his way of forgiveness. And one of the questions that I want to ask you and I'm asking myself is as the bride of Christ, are we marked by his forgiveness? Running towards his way of forgiveness with the same degree of faith, sacrifice, and gratitude? All so social convention of her day thrown out the window, this woman 
she runs to anoint Jesus because of God's overflowing, because God's overflowing forgiveness has marked her life. And Jesus turns to her and says, whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So being forgiven is a big deal, and it's God's idea. Forgiveness overflows from the heart of God to renew us in the presence of Jesus. Forgiveness overflows from the heart of God to renew us in the presence of Jesus. And if we think about, you know, the elders just convening to pray about new vision, we're coming up at the end of the year, and at the start of this year, this vision was cast over our church. From the throne flows a river of renewal. How are we doing? How are we doing with a couple months left in the year? It's crazy to think that there's only a couple months left in the year, but from the throne flows a river of renewal. Is forgiveness in that river? Is forgiveness that is, that is, that is something that we are marked by as a people, as followers of Jesus, is a question I want to ask you guys this morning. Following this woman's lead, the invitation for us this morning is to rehearse God's goodness more than the offenses of humanity or of our humanity, to receive his forgiveness, to be marked by his forgiveness, to know him, to remember him, to feel his heart, to anoint his work among us and bring along all that we carry to him. Being forgiven is a big deal. Being forgiven is a big deal. But you know what I think? What, Jonathan? <laughs> forgiveness is unfair. Forgiveness is unfair. It's frustrating. Forgiveness is not just a one and done. Why? Forgiveness is a both and live theology. Ryan's going to love that one. Forgiveness is a both and live theology. It's a theology of observing suffering and pain and holding it, but it is also a theology of observing joy and gratitude. Forgiveness is central to the way of Jesus. So I'm 37 years old. From the age 18 to 26, I treated my family and my friends like garbage. Like it was pretty bad. It was pretty horrible. I was a horrible person. And God humbled me at the age of 26, 27. But before that, I was a horrible person. And three weeks ago, when I felt like the Lord was impressing forgiveness on my heart for you guys, it wasn't something that I chose. It was something that just came to me. I had a conversation with my dad on the 408 going west, and I was in traffic <laughs> in the morning. It was like 7.30. Um, and I was talking to my dad directly about those years where I had treated my parents like super dishonorably. Like it was... It was years where I was stealing money from them. I was dishonest with them. Like all kinds, you name it. Like there was just, it was just really terrible. And, and we sort of started reminiscing about our past. And I started reminiscing about my past and the way that I treated my friends 
you know, um, during this time where I, was, I experienced a lot of loss, a friend of mine commits suicide, but then in the way that I responded, the way I treated my friends, it's like I was sucking the life out of my friends and treating them like super dishonorably. And forgiveness came up, and then my dad just kind of said, and I, and I, and I kind of got into that bad posture, and I was just self-condemning myself. I was like, man, like, I'm, a, I'm such a, like, I, have, I, ne- I never asked them for forgiveness or anything. And my dad said, stop, Jay, stop, Jay. He calls me me Jay. Stop, Jay. We are all never not hurting. We are all never not hurting. And just that one line kind of stuck out to me and had this visceral impact on me. Where it's like, it's true. We are all never not hurting. We all want to move past our past. Move past sometimes our present. We want to move past our present. And there's so many of us that carry these personal experiences, these real hurts, these real losses, these real pains, these real grudges, and we tend to private, privately or publicly nurse them, and we keep them around because it feeds us. And then for a time, there's this little thing that slowly wells up inside of us this crazy, yucky little thing called hope. Almost like someone has, a pla- has placed eternity in our hearts. The feeling that we have when we tell ourselves, wait, this real hurt, this real pain, this real loss, this grudge can't be permanent. It shouldn't be permanent. But ain't it hard work to move past our experiences, right, church? Ever hear that expression, time heals all? It's a lie. (laughs) It's a lie. Because our past can not only hold us back, but it can pull us back. We can get sucked back into the past. So how do we get unstuck? How do we move forward? Because the passage of time doesn't necessarily mean forward progress. We need to meet the author of forgiveness. So we're going to open up to Genesis 45. We're going to dive back into scripture this morning and let the word of God sort of interpret what's going on in our hearts and our minds right now. So we enter into Genesis 45, and it's a scene involving Joseph. And this scene takes place in hindsight of all the things that have happened to Joseph up until now. But to provide context, Joseph, son of Jacob and Rachel. Joseph's father, Jacob, had 13 kids from four different women and they all lived on the same street. I thought it was funny. This more. kind of crazy like that's what this how this story starts you know like things are already kind of messy right this more than likely made things messy between Joseph and his siblings he had brothers who wanted to kill him out of jealousy for Joseph being Jacob's favorite son so one day Joseph uh, Jacob sends Joseph out to go check on the well-being of his brothers who want to kill him And with Joseph inbound, one of Joseph's brother, Judah, suggests to his brothers, we should not kill Joseph. Instead of killing him, we should sell him into slavery. 
better idea, right? And in an instant, as a young teenager, Joseph loses his family, his culture, his language, his dignity, familiar smells, friendships, everything. You look back and think that you've had a bad year. From that moment on, Joseph had a bad 13 years in a row and none of it was his fault. None of it was his fault. And it gets worse. He's sold by his brothers into slavery. Joseph somehow prospers as a slave in Egypt, but then gets sent deeper and deeper into situational chaos. Joseph gets falsely accused of sexual misconduct, ends up seeing real jail time, interprets the dreams of a guy in jail to get the guy out of jail, and then this guy completely leaves him hanging and forgets about him when he gets out and leaves Joseph in jail. But then in a dramatic turn of events and hopping over a bunch of things, this is where we come into the story. Joseph finds himself Lord of Pharaoh's household and ruler of all Egypt. And Joseph comes face to face with his brothers who sold him into slavery back on day one. And they have no idea who he is. That's where we enter into this passage. Chapter 45, verse 1. I'm going to break. So, you know how Ryan always has this thing of water up here every time he preaches? Well, I was going to bring my own, my own bottle this morning just kind of as a statement. And I forgot it at home and I guess I just got to deal with this one. Yeah. Anyways. Verse one. Then Joseph can no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Pause. That's pretty dramatic. That sounds like pretty dramatic stuff right there. But there's also a certain degree of intimacy here that Joseph is wanting with his brothers. He's clearly lamenting. He's clearly in pain. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Verse four. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. First, thing, first things first, there is no virtue in ignoring the past. Joseph doesn't subtract what took place, neither should we. Joseph demonstra demonstrates this by saying, I am your brother, the one you sold. But what comes next makes us uncomfortable. Joseph seeks to relieve his brothers by saying, 
Do not be angry or distressed. Your betrayal sent me ahead to forge a path to preserve a remnant and prepare an entire people for a great deliverance. This is gospel. This is gospel. Herein lies the hard truth. We need to stop reading this passage assuming we stand in Joseph's place. Joseph is embodying Jesus for us here. We are his brothers. Just like Judah sold his brother Joseph into slavery, Judas sold Jesus to be crucified. The bigger picture here is we have all sold and sent Jesus to the cross. To justify anything is to miss the point completely. We are not exempt from making mistakes. We are not exempt from making mistakes. We are not exempt from hurting each other. We are not exempt from needing forgiveness before the day is out. As individuals, definitely as a society, but most especially as the church, the bride of Christ, we should be the first to run for forgiveness and to live it out. So how do we approach this invitation? It's in the passage. It'll be up on the screen. Four words, come close to me. This is Jesus's invitation to us. If the banner over our church is from the throne flows a river of renewal or flows a river of forgiveness, these, this is how it's done. Come close to me. Hear Jesus' words, come close to me. Spiritual, a Jewish spiritual leader by the name of Yaakov Fruchter, speaking of the practice of asking God for forgiveness as opposed to the importance of forgiving. It's the importance of asking God for forgiveness and this was in light, this, these thoughts were in light of the Holocaust. So it kind of comes in this like, re, he's wrestling with God and just praying about, you know, why would God let this happen and all these things and whatever, you know, but he gets to this point in his lament, in his prayer, they call it teshuva, the prayer of teshuva. I have to throw in a Hebrew word. Um, and he says this, it'll be up on the screen. Ought we not to think of your pain too, watching your children suffer at the hands of your other children. Haven't you also suffered? And I think that's the invitation for us. I mean, I think specifically for the people in this room, but also in a broader sense, like in our world, like this is the heartbeat for the follower of Jesus is being marked by forgiveness and running to his feet and hearing those words, come close to me. Because we're such a mess. We're a hot mess. And we're not perfect. And we're not exempt from all of these things. But forgiveness is the way. It is the posture. It is the bridge for healthy spiritual formation for the disciple of Jesus. So now we've come full circle. Actually, 
When we come close to Jesus, forgiveness is the pathway where personal and collective deliverance takes place. I really do think we need to be marked by forgiveness afresh again. We need to receive God's forgiveness before we can give it. Whoever forgives little loves little. I mean, there's also a portion where Jesus, right after he teaches his disciples to pray, he kind of harps on the importance of forgiveness and forgiving others. Father, forgive us our sins and forgive those who have trespassed against us. Forgiveness is central to the way of Jesus. So now we've come full circle. And the table was set, right? Carrying our own load and carrying each other's burdens. This is sort of where we're headed is carrying each other's burdens. And in the past couple weeks, we've been carrying our own load. And things maybe got a little heavy over the past couple weeks for some of us. And we need to bring it to the table. We need to bring those things to the table in light of receiving God's forgiveness. Bring down the house lights a little bit and the stage lights a little bit. I'm blinding. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good there. So we're gonna move into a time of communion this morning. But I want, I want us to have like, I want to invite you into that conversation with the Lord in a time of examination before we partake in the elements, the body and blood of Jesus, is, is really the, forgiveness is God's idea. Like, forgiveness is really, he owns forgiveness and the power of forgiveness. And I want us to think around if this is something in your life that you feel like you need to get past, you need to be delivered from, is to hear those words, come close to me. Come close to me. Like if you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I invite you to observe and listen. But if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're not marked by God's forgiveness, Then why? Then why are you following Jesus? Because his forgiveness is why. Like, his forgiveness is why I'm here with you this morning on this stage. I wouldn't be living in Orlando if I didn't receive God's forgiveness and him absolutely change my life. He asked me to move, immigrate to a different country a different land, away from all of the things that I'm familiar with. All the good hockey we play up north. <laughs> all those players that we export, you know, anyways, it's fine. No, but I'm serious. If we're followers of Jesus, this forgiveness is a, an integral practice to spiritual growth. It's a posture that we live with, and it is a practice it's faith and practice, forgiveness and practice. We need this. I know I could see all your faces right now that are kind of like, yeah, I probably could use a little bit more forgiveness. But this morning is for the sole purpose of receiving God's forgiveness. To 
to observe his goodness, to remember all that he has done for us to say, hey, come close to me. Every time I hear those words, you hear like, I don't know, I don't have kids, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure that the phrase, when your kids are kind of making you a little bit frustrated, come here, just come here, you know? I think it's, it's such an intimate call to relationship. And I, and I really want to challenge us with that as, you know, we, as we make this pivot towards carrying each other's burdens because forgiveness is so important to receive in order to carry each other's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. So there's going to be a few um, questions up on the screen. I want you to consider these questions. Ways that you, be, you may be nursing a grudge toward yourself and others. That's the first question. It could be a relationship. It could be a situation. It could be a circumstance that you find yourself in, but you need forgiveness for this area of your life. Nursing grudges is a powerful principality that needs, that needs to be uprooted out of the church, specifically followers of Jesus. Nursing grudges, it needs to get out. And I'm being fully honest with you, because I know we all nurse grudges against so many things. But if you find yourself nursing a grudge this morning in any area of your life, ask the Spirit to speak to you in that area. Hear the words, come close to me. So Jen and Martin will be up here. And they'll be holding the cup and you can come and you could take a piece of bread and dip it in the wine. And when you're ready, when you're ready, just come. For those germaphobes, there's just the traditional orthodox kind of, you know, bread and wine right there. You can just take for yourself, you can come up. But I really want you guys to just settle, settle in here. You could bring down the house lights. When you take, if you feel like you need prayer, just come off to the side here. Don't go back up to your chair. Just come off to the side. And someone, someone will come over to you and pray for you. You don't need to share what it is you need prayer for. But just come off to the side and be prayed over by one of our elders or leaders that'll be close by. Forgiveness is hard work. It needs counseling, processing, community, friends, honest conversations.
My prayer this morning is that we'll be, we'll be reminded that forgiveness is a hopeful work. It's a hopeful work. Forgiveness is a hopeful work. Forgiveness is a joy. Forgiveness is a gift. It's outrageous. I pray this morning that we'd be a people marked by God's forgiveness. Heavenly Father, may we hear those words come close to me because we need you always. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you make yourself known to us in your Son. And you don't move, you don't move us away from honesty. You shout it out loud, you belt it out from your gut, you cry with us. You cry so loud that kingdoms hear you. And there are many of us in this place today that are held down by the weight of unforgiveness. And as followers of your son, we are called to relinquish these things in remembering your sacrifice and the forgiveness that we received on day one. The joy that we received from you in receiving your forgiveness. is not only designed to transform our hearts and renew our minds, but is to relieve the brokenness around us. It is to relieve the enemies in our lives. It's no mistake that what was handed down to us from our elders to our ministry team leaders this past year has been a big hot mess in so many ways. But from the throne flows a river of renewal is what you gave us to steward. And a huge part of that stewardship is forgiveness. Help us to consider that. 
Help us to look into your eyes and receive the forgiveness that you have for us as a church to renew us, to restore us for what's next. This is the last stretch of this year. Holy God. And there is a lot of complex things happening in our world. But we are a people marked by your forgiveness. Remind us how good that is, how free that is, how powerful that is. if you feel ready ready to receive the elements. free to step off to the side. You can be by the stage. You can hang out. You can sit on the steps of the stage if you need. As the team will lead us into a time of worship.
Jesus. If you need prayer, you know. <laughs> oh, one more thing, one more thing, man, one more thing. I'm still, I'm still bantering, I'm still bantering. Am I off? Nope, we're good. No, we good, we good. We're marked by forgiveness, right? Unforg I heard this quote and this kind of came, uh, Scotty came to me and just showed me something and I'm reminded of this quote when I had on my phone, by God's grace. Unforgiveness is a relief that brings lasting consequences. Forgiveness is a hurt that brings lasting relief. If you need prayer for something that's happening right now in your life, I invite you while the team leads worship just to come down here and get prayed over. believe God wants to move us. He wants to move our hearts. He wants to move our church in this direction of being people who are able to live in the way of forgiveness. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.